what is love? Is it whatever makes us feel good? Join us today as we explore the definition of love as given to us in 1 John chapter 4. Everybody desires to feel accepted, and often people describe acceptance as love. Many modern movements have used love as their motto or as their tagline. But is feeling accepted the same as love? Can we just define love however we like? Do we as people, for example, really know how to define love? Is love, for example, self-seeking or self-giving? Let's look at how the Apostle John defines love. Turn with me now to 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. Dear friends, let us love one another, because love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only Son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we remain in him and he in us. He has given us his Spirit, and we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent His Son as the world's Savior. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in Him, and He in God. And we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and the one who remains in Him remains in God, and God remains in Him. In this, love is made complete with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear, because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister, whom he has seen, cannot love God, who he has not seen. And we have this command from him, the one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. The first thing I want to point out from this passage is that God is the source and definition of love. Look at verse 7. It says love is from God. And then look at verse 8. It says God is love. And so we look to God to understand what love really is. We don't look to cinema or Netflix. We look at the source, the creator of all that is seen and unseen. God is love, and perfect love is from God. And that is why verse 10 is so important. It says love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Notice that God is the initiator of love. It's not as if we loved God and he responded to us out of some sort of obligation to return the favor for our love. 
Rather, he loved us before we loved him. We didn't earn it or deserve it, but he chose to love us because he is love. It's in his character. He is the essence, the source of love. And this was his act of love demonstrated. God the Father sent his one and only Son to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Jesus paid the penalty for our sin through his death on the cross. That is the atoning sacrifice. And when we come to understand what that means, when we accept Jesus as our Savior, when we believe who he is and what he has done, we come to know God. And the more we come to know God, the more we understand his love showed for us. Let me explain it in this way. God, our loving Father, wants to restore us to him. We left him, we sinned, and we continue to sin. We know what is right, but we don't do it. We're selfish, and we do wrong out of our selfishness. If we don't love, we don't know God. So that gets us back to the questions I asked at the beginning. What is love, and how do we define it? Oftentimes at weddings, you'll hear 1 Corinthians chapter 13 cited. It's a wonderful passage to use as a wedding ceremony, but really the context of that passage is the love described for believer for believer, for brother to brother. Let me read that passage to you and see how it informs our understanding of what love is. And if God is love, what does this say about God's character? 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If I speak human or angelic tongues but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give away all my possessions, and if I give over my body in order to boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It is not boastful. It is not arrogant. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not irritable. It does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put aside childish things. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then face to face. Now I know in part but then I will know fully, as I am fully known. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. See how Paul really focuses on defining love in this passage. And this is where it stands in stark contrast to how we are often, or how love is often described in popular culture. There is nothing selfish or self-seeking in love. Love is selflessness. And that's why God is love. And that's why love is described as perfectly known and shown to us in Jesus Christ. It's not just an example of love. It is love when he came and he died for us. And when we come to accept him, when we believe who he is and what he has done, 
he gives us the command to follow him, to take up our cross, to do and to act and to love the world as he loved. Notice in verse 17 of 1 John chapter 4, it says, In this love is made complete with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. And this is the part I want to focus on, because as he is, so also are we in this world. And that brings us to the second point. He has commanded us to love our brother and sister. As he is, so we are in this world. And we love because he first loved us. Verse 20 says, If anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister for whom he has seen cannot love God who he has not seen. That's his command to us. We must love our brothers and sisters. And God takes this command given to us very seriously. In fact, if you read the book of Obadiah, the minor prophet in the Old Testament, you will see that God destroyed an entire nation for hating and mocking the destruction of their brother, Israel. God is love, and that also means he is perfect judge who deeply cares for the oppressed. So what does this love for our brother and sister look like? How do we fulfill that command to love our brother? Maybe more specific to our current circumstances, how do we love our brother and sisters right now in the midst of the current events, especially considering the George Floyd murder? I don't really want to get into the governmental side or the political aspects of this. Those are important things to consider too. But what I do think is valuable for us to consider right now is how do we as Christians, knowing God's command to us to love, how do we respond in love in this very moment when there's so much anger and there's so much injustice and hate taking place? Here's my challenge to you. Before you look to the news or people's ideas and thoughts on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, look to God himself for the answer on how we should respond. What does he say? What did he teach or do? that speaks into our current circumstances. Remember, God is love. He's the source of love. Jesus was once asked the question, Who is my neighbor? If I really need to love my neighbor, who is he? And Jesus gave, in response, a parable, a story that demonstrates the way of healing. Let's look together at his response from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Then an expert in the law stood up to test him, that is Jesus, saying, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? Jesus asked him. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, he told him. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, He asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus took up the question and said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him, beat him up, and fled, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that road. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. In the same way, a Levite, when he arrived at the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan on his journey came up to him, and when he saw the man, 
he had compassion. He went over to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on olive oil and wine. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him. When I come back, I'll reimburse you for whatever extra you spend. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The one who showed mercy to him, he said. Then Jesus told him, Go and do the same. End quote. Mercy. Love for another, regardless of who they are. In this parable, the priest and the Levite, supposedly holy men, passed by the man in need. Jesus didn't say why they avoided helping him. Maybe they didn't want to deal with it. It was costly or it was an inconvenience to their time. Maybe it was a combination of all those things. But the Samaritan man, the religious outcast, someone the Jews would have seen as an outsider, he stopped. He showed mercy. He showed compassion. He showed love. He treated the other man as more valuable than himself. This is love demonstrated for our neighbor. And so right now, I want you to consider that same question. Who is your neighbor? Are there people that make you uncomfortable to be around for no reason other than they are different from you? Who do you want to pass by? When you feel uncomfortable at the presence of someone who is different than you, or thinks differently, or looks differently, stop and remember this parable and actively respond against that feeling in that very moment. Go talk to that person. Ask them about who they are. Learn their story. Heal wounds. Care for them and who they are. Jesus says to us, Go and do the same. Go and do as the Samaritan man did. And in this way, in our love for one another, the love of God himself is shown. Look at verse 12. It says, No one has ever seen God. If we love one another... God remains in us, and his love is made complete in us. God has chosen to reveal his love through his Son's act of love at the cross. And God himself, when we believe in him, dwells with us. He abides in us, in our spirit. And his abiding shines out of us as love, as his love. We love because he first loved us. And as we look to Jesus as our example of how to bring healing, how to love with truth and action, we will bring those same things. And through the outpouring of love, we receive something. And that's our third, that brings us to the third point. Love for God and our brother gives us eternal assurance. When we confess that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, with sincere love for what he has done, we confess those things because the Holy Spirit is in us. We can only do that with the Holy Spirit's presence, through the power and activity of God in us. We didn't do it. He did. And the abiding Spirit of God in us is proof that we are His. And the Holy Spirit's presence in us as we seek to live and love and confess Jesus as Lord is our confidence on Judgment Day. That is what John is referring to when he says in verse 18, There is no fear in love. Instead, Perfect love drives out fear, because fear involves punishment. Judgment is coming. Someday we will all die. But if we believe and testify that Jesus is Lord, 
and love in response, we can rest assured that we are eternally secure. There's no reason for us to fear. There's no reason to fear death. There's no reason to fear judgment. God is perfectly just, and we can trust him to bring perfect and complete justice to this world someday. If you don't believe in Jesus, that should terrify you. Don't pretend that you haven't messed up before, that you haven't hurt someone or lied or stolen or hated. You fill in the blank. We all are sinners. We all have done wrong. But if we believe in Jesus, in who he is and what he has done, we are God's children who can live without the fear of judgment. This is true freedom, for we don't have to look back and expect that the burden of our sin will somehow be brought up against us. God will not in heaven, if you believe in his son Jesus as your savior, he will not put all of your sins out there for all to see. Instead, Jesus will declare to the Father and say, Look at my hands and my feet and my side. I purchased this one with my blood, and there is no condemnation for him. He has my righteousness upon him. Wow, praise God that he is love and that he demonstrated his love for us in this way. So in conclusion, remember that God is love, and love is from him, and he has shown us what love is. Seek to love as he loves us. Love your brother and your sister in the Lord. Love your neighbor. And as we seek to love, we will find that our hearts are assured through the abiding presence of God himself, the Holy Spirit, and the Son. His presence brings us the confidence to live without fear of death and judgment to live freely, to love. God is love. He has shown us love, and he calls us to go and do the same. Thanks for listening in today. I hope that this message has encouraged your heart and mind. Remember to join us next Wednesday when we will be concluding our study of 1 John. Until then, remember that God is love. He has shown love, and he calls us to go and do the same. Amen.